Welcome to the Women Empowered Podcast brought to you by Bank of Tennessee's Botcast Network. I'm Jennifer Greenwald. Today, we are sitting down with powerhouse female entrepreneur, Ginger Jones. Ginger is a founder and CEO of Jones Therapy Services, which started in the Nashville area and has now grown to more than nine locations and spreading throughout East Tennessee. So welcome, Ginger. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Well, thank you for being here. You are our first, so I appreciate your willingness to be with us today. I am happy to be here and be your guinea pig. And the guinea pig. (laughs) Guinea pigs are awesome. So there's a few things that we want to talk to you today um, about. Um, women empowered, Mm -hmm. um, the importance of women like you who are in um, business, have been in business, investing in younger business women, whether that be at work or mentoring someone else in a different field. Uh, We would want to talk a little bit about your leadership team and how you developed such a great culture at Jones Therapy Services. Um, we also want to talk a little bit about your awards and all the great accolades. You're going to have to list them for us. Um, but then I do want to talk to you about being a female business owner and what that's like being a female with emotions and making business decisions sometimes with and sometimes out without the emotion. So Perfect. we're going to talk about all the things today. I like it. Today. We're going to talk about all the things. So... First, let's talk about your leadership team and what that, why you call it a leadership team and not maybe management, Um, why leadership is important, who those people are, Mm -hmm. what it looks like, and how you kind of choose them. Okay. That's a lot of questions. And I have to say that I don't think that I've thought about why I call it leadership team instead of management, other than maybe the connotation of the word management sometimes can be... Mm -hmm negative um i as my company grew i think that it became really important and obvious that i couldn't see everything and i couldn't be any everywhere and that's you know having nine locations that obviously happened um as we started to add locations but also just as your team grows and so i thought it was it's really important for me to find people that can be ambassadors but also in a way be me and my leadership team knows um they know what's really important to me they know they live and breathe the core values part of our uh, yearly evaluation of the employees is how are they doing on their core values and my leadership team knows i should be getting like the highest from you all on this right they should be teaching everybody else how to do things so um so i think it just came out of necessity i do talk to lots of people that own businesses and somewhere between 20 and 40 employees it gets a little hard to lead you know one person Mm -hmm. leading your team's just getting big you can't sit in the same room you know and especially again for us being in all those different locations we had to work out communication but also just there needs to be somebody that people know they can go to Um, so that's why I had a leadership team in selecting them I think I'm probably a little bit different because to me I'm not I'm not so worried about how long you've been doing this or how old you are or any of those things some of my leaders were on the leadership team probably two years out of college Um, I just think there's there's some people that are instinctively good leaders and um, where I worked before and where I was talking with some of your team about this yesterday is that um, people were promoted really based on their tenure and and that I didn't like that because that doesn't necessarily make you a good leader like I feel like 
there's there are qualities that some sometimes you're born with or qualities that you have to work with and um, so for me it's just I look at my core values I look at what's important to me I also think that it's can people handle the challenging part of leadership because it can seem glorified but um, I mean there's a lot of people that can't have a difficult conversation and that's like something that happens to leaders all the time so so I look to see if they have I guess those kind of chops and maybe it's that some people have some and not Mm -hmm. all but that I look at that's my job is to pour into them so Mm -hmm. I should be making better leaders um, out of the people that I choose to be on my leadership team very good so tell us a little bit about Jones therapy I should have asked you that first you have many therapists in different areas Mm -hmm. so tell us Tell us about Jones Therapy. Yeah, so it started in 2009. It was just me. I'm a speech language pathologist, and um, I just was seeing patients and trying to do everything else that I needed to do to run a business. And um, since then, in 10 years, we now have speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, behavior, and feeding therapy. And we have nine locations, and maybe more soon. Um, so that's that's kind of the what, the what we do in a nutshell. But um, there's lots of other things that we're really passionate about and more so than just what we do inside the clinics, but supporting our community and um, educating parents because um, uh, say that the, when children come to us, they're with us for like a very small amount of time, but they're with their parents a lot. So that's really important. And then the really cool thing about living in this day and age is we can write content or do things on Instagram or do things on our blog that can help families and children all over the world so we're really um, passionate about what we do we're passionate about what we do in Tennessee but we also love that because of the times we're living in now we can help people everywhere that's amazing very cool um empowered women empower women um and as observing you from a separate market I think that's something that you do very successfully Um, we've talked before um, with some of the presentations that you've done about coaching and mentoring and I know that you're a big proponent of that so as a woman Mm -hmm. entrepreneur who has been so successful and had received coaching and positive mentoring why do you think it's so important to pass that along and what does that look like yeah oh that's a good question I think it can look it can look very different. Well, I think it's important as I think that's just part of what happens, you know. And mm-hmm. I love teaching, so that comes naturally to me. And I love like you know being in the field that I'm in, like helping is something that I love doing. But I think that I I am where I am undoubtedly for people that kind of like let me tag along. My uh, my supervisor in graduate school, it was her birthday on Facebook the other day, and I was looking at a picture of her thinking, um, I used to just go sit in her office when the other students were like. I don't know what they were doing. I wanted to soak in everything I could learn about her. So I went and she would be doing her work. And I'm sure she was like, who is this girl that won't leave <laughs> my side? You know. But now, I mean, that was 20 years ago. And now I see her and I'm so grateful that she would just, I would hear the, overhear the conversation she was having. And I, I just took in so much through osmosis that way. So, and then as I started a business, um, so many women that were, hugely successful took time to mentor me um, I've also had four coaches so mm-hmm. that's I really believe in investing in yourself um, and that's an exchange a payment mm-hmm. exchange but I, I think that's great for accountability and um, somebody to hold your feet to the fire on things but from a mentoring standpoint I think it's, it's probably summed up best by something that somebody told me 
that if you're looking at a clock and you're at nine o'clock, you want to be around a lot of 12 o'clock because they're pulling you up and they're making you better, but that you also need to have some six o'clocks. And I think that's just how we evolve. And that's how we as like a human consciousness get better is mm-hmm. that we're learning things from those of us that have come before us. We're taking our own experiences, some of the things I talked about yesterday, and then we're sharing this with others. Yeah. And then we're making the next generation better. Excellent. Very good. Now talk um, a little bit in Jones Therapy Services, I think the um, field, help me with the word here, my friends. Therapy? Well, Rehabil- 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 like the market. I'm a Industry? Industry, okay. yes, thanks. <clears throat> so talk to me, the therapy industry that mm-hmm. you're in is heavily dominated by females. Mm-hmm. Um, and any female out there knows that when, sometimes when you get big groups of women together, things can get catty. That's a great word. <laughs> I was going to go with petty. Sassy, catty, Sassy, salty. catty mm-hmm. salty, spicy. All the things. <laughs> and so um, how, as a manager, mentor, um, how do you address within your culture? You know, like, it. It's inevitable that at some point it's going to happen. So let's talk a little bit and talk through um, how you try to nip it in the bud before Mm -hmm. things happen and then if something happens. So talk to me about creating the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, first of all, it's who who you pick. Mm. Um, And now, that being said, there's certainly people that I say do the bait and switch and they show up as it's like, incredibly awesome person who would never get into workplace gossip and then you know two weeks later they're like oh that's that's what we're dealing with (laughs) yeah so I and I guess I should even say before that it's like deciding within yourself if you're you know small company Mm -hmm. and your CEO but for me it's like my leadership team and my head of like HR it's like that is paramount to Mm me and I say because of the work we do like I share in my story a lot, I've wanted to do this since I was a little girl. So to me, how tragic would it be if I had wanted to do this work since I was a little girl and I spent all this time and all this money and I get to my first job and I can't wait to change the world one kid at a time and the people I work with are toxic. Like mm-hmm. I I just think that would be the biggest tragedy ever is to like love your work but not love your workplace. And so it's really important to me that everybody knows that that's important to me. So I think that's part of it is, is like calling it out and saying like, this just isn't going to fly around here. Um, another thing that I do that I do, I've done more recently, I haven't always done this, is, and that's because the company's bigger. I try to meet with people within their first like 30 to 60 days. Back again, when I was doing all the interview and hiring, I could have those conversations during the interview, and my HR person still does. But inevitably, this happens every single time. I could almost like write a million dollar check on it. I'm going to have a conversation with somebody. You've been working for Jones for like mm-hmm. two or three months. And you're like, I just love it here. Oh, my gosh, the people are so great and they're so helpful. And I'm like, yes, I knew you would say that. And that's not an accident. Like that is so purposeful. Mm-hmm. And then I say to them, and now you're part of carrying the torch of that because we're going to make a mistake. We're mm-hmm. going to hire somebody who loves to create drama. That's just, yeah. we're going to make a mistake. Or somebody's going to go through something and it's going to seem like the place where they want to come and dump all their problems. And we, we have a book club. We read Energy Bus and it talks about like you're responsible for the energy you bring to the place. So I think that's a another thing you can do to protect your culture, but also just say it to people. Like, and I think especially women, this we're talking about women, they feel like they're tattling if they say, somebody did this and this is out of alignment with our core values. That's really what you're saying. And mm-hmm. so, but it feels like tattling. And so I kind of give them permission in that part, you know, yeah. after they've been with us a while to say, 
um, you love it here and you love it here because we work really hard to protect this. So now I need you to become part of the protector of it. And so if you ever sense that anything just isn't the way, you know, those list of mm-hmm. things on the wall, if that, if something feels out of alignment with that, just tell me, tell, and it's, and I also have to tell with them that I'm not initially going to go to like a punitive, um, yeah. a punitive place with somebody who might, you know, act out of alignment. For me, it's like maybe we just need to coach somebody better. Maybe our core values aren't clear. I mean, it could always be an issue with us at leadership. So I also let people know that just because you say so-and-so did this and it's not really what we stand for, they're not going to get fired. You yeah. know? We just want them to be better and we want them to fit in. Because ultimately, if somebody doesn't fit in with your core values, and one of my friends says this, he was like, they fire themselves. Like, if you don't right. fit in and you're not doing what the company stands for, you may technically on paper get fired, but you fired yourself. And yeah. so that I don't want anybody to feel like they don't fit in, but this is what we stand for. And maybe that's not for you, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, so, again, I, so many things go back to core values, but also talking about it all the time, too. So are your core values part of your interviewing process? Like, is that something, or when does yes. that come into... And, I, and mm-hmm. at some point, I want you to tell me what your core values as a company mm-hmm. are. Um because we're going to talk about, I want to hear about your profe- your company's core mm-hmm. values and then how maybe your personal core personal values flow to mm-hmm. those. But so when you're choosing candidates and you're, mm-hmm. does that, does the core values we, come in then? They don't know that, mm-hmm. but we ask behavioral questions. So gotcha. um, that, I think, that, and that's another thing that I think people expect to show up for an interview. It's like a speech pathologist or an occupational mm-hmm. therapist. It's like, what would you do to fix a child who couldn't say there are? You already got that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you can figure that out. There's plenty of clinicians yeah. here that are going to help you. I really want to know behaviorally how are you going to show up every day and are you going to fit in? Because, again, I don't want to sell this great company or you sell yourself as somebody you're not, and then six weeks in we find out it wasn't a good fit because you know who suffers then is the patients yes. and the parents that need this therapy. So, um, so it comes in, I mean, you know, definitely in our onboarding process and then we try there's a lot of little things we do we have cards that say live the values and somebody can write um, they can check the core value that somebody's doing great on and write what they did and tape it on a wall somewhere and um, every month at our staff meetings one of our core values is and then some and it's just kind of always doing that that next thing and so we have uh, and then some recognition where people can submit names before staff meetings and we share that and so lots of ways that we just try to keep it on top of people's minds mm-hmm. what it means so tell us what your core values jones therapy core and are, if they if you can share them yeah totally i okay. can um and the thing i because i think we're going to go is ask me what my personal ones are and i th- if you talk to ceos and people that have been founders i think some people don't believe they should be mixed i believe they should be mixed mm-hmm. so these are my core values personally awesome um so yeah i think we I did sit down with my leadership team just to make sure they felt this. We probably got really tight on this group, you know, and they can change. That's the other thing is they can change as your company changes. But uh, probably about three years ago, we got really solid on these. Um, and we had like a brainstorming process. And then I picked the ones that I think mm-hmm. felt good. And then and then it was like, you know, you want to word them so they're really cool. I mean, you're in like yeah. marketing and stuff like that. So it's like, you got to spin it so everybody exactly, gets it. Exactly, yeah. And that's not necessarily <laughs> my thing. So, so some of our core values, um, like I mentioned, and then some is I think kind of our biggest. But embrace growth. Mm-hmm. Um, which is hugely important when you're a company that's growing. And that's because things are going to be changing, and people don't like change. Um, I mean, some people do, but uh, people don't. So to me, sometimes that's a conversation I have. I remember, like, we want to embrace growth here. Um, insist on the highest standards. Do more with less. Um, choose optimism. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And I really am thanking people a lot for choosing optimism. Um, stay curious and pursue relentless learning. Maximize our impact go further together, take ownership, and create remarkable experiences. 
and take ownership. I love that one because somebody at some point, I think it was my CFO, you know, we were talking about the difference between an employee that has like a, a ownership mentality versus a renter. So if you move into a house and you're mm-hmm. renting it, you might just be like, oh, I don't really care that I put a hole in that wall. <laughs> but if you own a house, you're going to take care of that differently. Yeah. So to me, it's really important to have those people that treat the business in some way like it's their own. Right. That's excellent. Um, one of the things that we do at Bank of Tennessee is, you know, we, we try to invest in our employees that way and we try to give them some ownership mm-hmm. so that they feel that way. But I like the way you said that because yeah, for a lot of people, you know, especially nowadays, people talk so much about millennials being the worst generation in the workforce since ever. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a zennial. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. people get so salty about millennials who are, because they think they're just there for two years. Like, I'm right. here for two years. And so that ment- that renting mentality right. is really there. Um, so trying to get people to invest mm-hmm. emotionally and personally is a big deal. Yeah. So I like, I like the way you said oh, that. I, I like the you. rent versus L. Mm-hmm. We'll have to explore that you can, you can rip off and duplicate i might, I might totally we might that. we might share that sprinkle of <laughs> and that's that's some of what i did too when we were i looked at companies that i really admired you mm-hmm. know zappos has got a great list of um, mm. core values and um and even just friends of mine locally i looked into like what are their core values because why reinvent the wheel it's like I, I know what feels right and doesn't feel right um but it was again mm-hmm. like how do we say it and how do we pick, right? Because yeah. we could make a list of all the great things we wanted. Do all the right long, thing all yeah. the time. No yeah, <laughs> that's all we need to say. Yeah. Be happy that you're here yeah. regardless of your paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Things How you say things makes a big difference right. because it helps with how people internalize mm-hmm. it. That's right, yeah. um, one of the things that you talk about that I love and I'm trying to practice in my own life is the when life works list. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us about a when life works mm. list and how you, um, you know, like the non-negotiables for you. For just me. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Something that has So to when life works list, I have to give credit to a guy named Andy Bailey. He's in mm-hmm. Nashville. He's a coach. I um, he has a company called Petra coach. And, um, you know, obviously he's coaching executives and, um, that, he, that's what he calls it. I had always had this list on my phone, and I just never had a cool name for it. So I was like, thank you for giving me a really cool way to talk about it. But for me, and I, I weave this into talking about burnout, but um, for me, I just I started to recognize, and I even remember saying to my husband once, like, you know, just mentally, you're having those times where you're like, I'm doing everything so well. Like, really good at everything I do <laughs> and then give me 48 hours and I'm like sucking you know and and I remember thinking does that make me do I have a mental health disorder you know like I, I kind of will just be on top of the world and be like oh, I can't I don't know anything I'm doing and so I started to really dissect the times that I felt really good and that I was doing well with things and then dissect the the bad and what I realized was there was just like habits for me that when I was doing certain things I was more in my state of flow. And so for me, and I'm, I'm happy to share these with people, I've got an app on my phone, and um, it's meditation, it's uh, quiet time, which is, is really interesting because I used to be like 150% extroverted. So I've kind of had to learn to allow myself to have time alone, um, reading, working out, 
eating right, sleeping well, spending time with my husband, spending time with my kids. Um, and though I don't ever do all of them on one mm-hmm. day. If I do, woo, I am really doing well. <laughs> but I, I, what, and for me, I don't even have to go check the box every day. But I do tell people if you want to, because there is satisfaction mm-hmm. in checking the list, right? And so yes. I just know it now, and that's why I can rattle it off right here. But I, I have that mentally so that in those times when things are really tough, it's like, okay, let me get back on track. Mm-hmm. Because it's real easy to say it's somebody else's problem, right? right. Somebody pissed you off at work. Your boss is nice word your boss is whatever not yeah. a nice word I was like how do I not say a bad word <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah. this is the things that people are gonna say um and so and and that may be the case I mean that's mm-hmm. the other thing too is like maybe you're in a bad relationship or maybe your workplace is toxic but I think first people need to start with like looking within them and yes. making sure that they're getting their game tight mm-hmm. and then let's look if we need to make some external changes so um to my non-negotiables no I really don't but I think it's I've learned the older I get that I need to have quiet time Mm -hmm. and so when you have two young children as you know um, that is very hard to come by Mm -hmm. and so um, I uh, I have to be up before my children and sometimes if that doesn't happen I will leave um, and go to the gym at night or sauna even if I just sit in the sauna or even if I go sit on my back porch like just time where it's not noisy right mm-hmm. that's great yeah. there was something in there I wanted to ask you about I should have written it was down. it what I was going to call a boss no <laughs> I love it no but we were talking oh, about yeah <laughs> spicy nugget mm-hmm. um you were talking about let me go back mm-hmm. sorry about you he's like okay. I'm good. <laughs> it likes me um Oh, golly. You were talking about the non-negotiables. Oh, the going back in the toxic workplace. I think that's great advice for Mm -hmm. anybody. um, Because sometimes, especially in today's world, we are so externally focused Mm -hmm. because every detail of our lives is public. Right. Um, And so it's really easy to not take the ownership of... Mm, that was my fault. Right. I'm. Uh, that was on me. It's so much easier to say, well, she's in a bad mood. Right. She hurt my feelings. He's not doing what I asked him to do. So I think that's really great advice mm-hmm. of when things aren't going right, getting mm-hmm. back to that core, either, you know, when life works list, mm-hmm. the core value. That's great advice. Yeah, I've said before, I was like, you can, you know, because self-care is, mm-hmm. I feel like self-care is highly talked about. Maybe just in Everybody my world. But that. I feel like if you're going on Instagram, it's like self-care, 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 mm-hmm. self-care. And I'm like, you can take all the bubble baths in the world, but if you do not look in the mirror and mm-hmm. deal with your ish and like, then it doesn't matter. Like yeah. you could be like self-care junkie all day long, but it's, you're going to, you're <laughs> going to have to at some point look and say like, what what is it that's important to me that makes me a better person um and and i said in a talk i gave this morning sometimes after you do all that sometimes the thing is you do need to prune some relationships and you need to get rid of some people in your Mm -hmm. life um or you need to really look at your environment so whatever that may be but i still i would just i can't talk enough about starting here it's a person you know best um and then working on that stuff and yeah self-care is definitely the buzzword of the (laughs) season because everybody's talking about it (laughs) and I get so tickled at what self-care is to different people and it is it's about yourself Mm -hmm. um but you know like uh 
you know, when you're looking at Facebook or Twitter and Instagram and everybody's like self-care Sunday and there's a margarita <laughs> and a TJ And I would have Max like a headache bag. and a hangover, you know, it's like, yeah. not self-care for me. Yeah. It's retail therapy is self-care now. Like that's, there's right, some right. Everybody's like self-care. I'm going to Target yeah. and then Nordstrom and everything, you know, and it's like, mm, but maybe not. I think, I think the pendulum swung a little far maybe, there, people. Yeah. Maybe reel it back in. What was the yeah. show that was Treat Yourself? Did anybody see that? Oh, yeah. What the episode that? of Treat Yourself. It's Aziz Ansari is the uh, comedian. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, oh, gosh. And it's they save money. And one day a year, it's uh-huh. Treat Yourself. So <laughs> find leather goods. Yeah. Treat Yourself. And it's. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. It's hilarious. But there's memes out there. And I think that has kind of turned into what people try to make self-care when it's not actually. It's the taking care of yourself and And how that... And it can be broken down, like we, yeah. you know, we talked about in my talk yesterday. Is financial self care is part of that. Mm. So mm-hmm. if going to TJ Maxx or going wherever is putting you in credit card debt, that's actually the opposite of self care. Yeah, that's you know? not working. <laughs> um, if if you're a mom, a single mom who spends every dime you have on your kids, and you got some money, some you came into some money somehow, and going and buying something for yourself because you've never done it, that might be self care yeah. for you. But I think that's I think that's one of the problems we've gotten into mm-hmm. too. Is like we see this thing self care, and so that person's self-care you know mm-hmm. yours is not mine and right. so it's again about going within yourself well i like that. i can talk forever about it just I love put it. a muzzle on me no i like it it's individual <laughs> okay mm, yesterday in one of your talks and i sat in both so mm-hmm. forgive me i don't remember which one it's totally fine you were talking about boundaries in the workplace mm-hmm. um women are naturally relational and so yeah. you, and I want you to tell the story again, but mm-hmm. you told the story about one, uh, some, at some point about the first time somebody was like, res- like quitting or resigning mm-hmm. and how you felt like that was, right. so I want you to tell that story. Um, but other than just, you know, like talk to us about the boundaries about and like, do you set boundaries with, um, <clears throat> like with your employees, mm-hmm. with your leadership team, and what that looks like. So happy to talk about it. Yeah, so I think I, for me, I would probably put those in a couple, couple mm-hmm. different silos because in there's to me like the professional boundaries of your clients or for us, our patients. Mm-hmm. And when we are in a unique position of, like, not like your doctor that you might see once a year or something mm-hmm. like that, we see these people sometimes two and three times a week. And so those lines can get really gray. Mm-hmm. So I do work with clinicians on finding out what feels good to them. And and I use the term of like a policies and procedures manual for yourself. What what feels good to you might not to somebody else. And it also may change. So I, um, <clears throat> before I had children, if the patients I was working with, if the families needed something from me on the weekend and they wanted to shoot me a text, I was going to be fine with that because you know what sometimes that mm-hmm. text was like a really happy text that a kid had said their first word you know so oh, I was like the give the give and the take as I've needed to focus more of my time not at work on my family I would probably still respond to that text but if a family needed something for me that wasn't an emergency I would be really clear up front that like I'm with my family today and I'll be able to deal with that tonight or something like that or Monday you know mm-hmm. um so I think your your boundaries can change over time so there's one of that is like business customer boundaries and I think again I just go back to that it takes time you can't just decide you're going to have boundaries and then lay down the law women also need to know and men too if they have if they struggle with it but I think you're right women more that it 
they are so scared of creating boundaries because they're worried that it's going to piss somebody else off. Yeah. And in reality, I think it's the most loving thing you can do in a relationship um, because you're really saying this, this is how we can still be great friends or this is how our partnership can be um, when we both respect mm-hmm. each other's boundaries. So I think kind of the myths of boundaries, like we need to talk about more. For me as a leader, um, I would say probably my biggest boundary is my time because mm-hmm. um, I do think we can't get that back and and my mental space. So I, I think if you asked anybody that worked closely with me, um, I, I love to talk to my people and I love to know what's going on and sometimes it's the crappy things that are going on, right? Mm-hmm. But I need to know that to be able to fix it and I can't fix it if I don't know what's happening, right? So I have to have these relationships. But I, um, I tell, but like one thing I tell people that could be great for like a soundbite is, um, do not call me unless I'm expecting a call from you. And that's because I may be recording a podcast. Right. I may be sitting with a coach that I'm paying hundreds of dollars an hour, you know, yeah. and I need to know if I look down and I see somebody that works for me on my phone, that's worth getting up because the building's on fire, something's happened. Right. So for me, and that that's about me triaging, but mm-hmm. it's also that I also know when, when I'm doing something that needs 100% of my focus or that's costing my company money, like I don't need to be somebody be like, oh, well, uh, my grandma's getting married next week. I just, did I say my grandma's getting married? Somebody's yeah. getting married next week. <laughs> listen, like, listen, if your grandma's, grandma's getting, getting married, married I want to be her. So yeah. anyway. Uh, flower, <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody's getting married next week and I need off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's not something that I need to be pulled out from a meeting from. So I'm with my time, and I'm also my calendar. Um, I live, I live and breathe on my calendar a lot. To uh, probably rigid to some people, but um, I just think like I need to know how I show up best. How do I show up best for my employees? How do I show up best for you? Because you need me here like 100% focused to record this podcast, and so I have to have boundaries around my time to be able to do that. Um, and which is again, well, I like getting up early or having it. All of that kind of ties in. So. Um, I would say I'm a pretty like transparent person probably to which some people would like be super uncomfortable with. So I don't have a lot of boundaries about like what I'll have a conversation with you about. Right. You know, like if you if you want me to talk to you about um, how I was how I handled being a working mom when I mm-hmm. you know, I'll tell you all the crap about that. I'll tell you what was mm-hmm. crazy, I'll tell you what was good. That I don't have a lot of boundaries around sharing stories, but um it's it's my time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, earlier we were talking about leadership team and difficult conversations. There's about a million and a half books <laughs> mm-hmm. about how to have a conversation. Um, so when you think about your boundaries and mm-hmm. having the difficult conversation, because there's su- definitely such a thing as having a relationship with the people that you work with. Um, and, you know, when things get personal and you invest in them but then you have to have the difficult right. conversation um how do you kind of bubble yourself into mm-hmm. knowing that um a that you have to have the conversation mm-hmm. and whether it happens frequently or not and then b recover mm-hmm. um, from that from good, that yeah i think uh practice is really important and, and i'm somebody that um i I can do a lot off the cuff and Mm -hmm. so for me to get in the habit of practice was hard but so there's probably many people in Nashville have seen me driving around having a pretend conversation with an employee (laughs) on the way to work Um, and and even sometimes going as far as like 
typing notes in my phone mm-hmm. of just like what are the highlights. So for me, practicing and not not practicing so much that it comes off as robotic because you definitely mm-hmm. don't want to do that. So I think there's that. I think the other thing is just calling it out. Like I can't tell you how many conversations I've had to have where I was like, this is gonna be awkward, and I'm and I'm sorry for that, but let's talk about it. Yeah. And, and I've even said before because I know I will resent myself if I'm not like <clears throat> completely honest with you right now. And so um, I think that the third part I would say is that the benefit that you have when you just act in integrity and you just are good in your relationships with your people is that um, they don't question the motives, you know? So I do think that um, for when I've had to have tough conversations with people or even my leadership team, because we are, there's not a lot of like tears in my organization, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like, we're all doing, we're all scrubbing toilets. We're all helping these kids. We're all, you know, we're doing whatever needs to be done. When the kid vomits, all hands on deck, you know? Yeah. And I think that because that's a way, there doesn't seem to be this like hierarchy Mm -hmm. that um, people just know your heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And I think, and if they don't know your heart, then maybe as a leader, you should say like, what are the ways I can get closer to people? Can, can I have a lunch with them? Can I, can I make an email signature kinder or whatever it may yeah. be so that people renew it? Because that to me is like putting deposits in the account, right? So then when yeah. you have to have that tough conversation, it's like they don't question that you're trying to fire them or you're just trying to make right. their life miserable. It's like I really, this is about us or so our relationship mm-hmm. can be better. And I often say too, because this is 100% the truth, <coughs> excuse me, 100% of the time I've had to have a difficult conversation if we're both Re, uh, retrospective about it and introspective um, the relationship is a million times better <clears throat> that's a great point you know so I can look back on you know like that story mm-hmm. I told is um, somebody that I found out was interviewing in another company and I was uh, tore up about it like I really yeah. you know I was taking things personally it was back in the day but um, but still she would have been a valuable asset that I didn't mm-hmm. want to lose and um, and I just said let's go get our test done yeah and let's talk about why you want to leave and um, and we worked it all out. It was six years ago, still with me. So, That's great. Um, yeah, I think there's, that was like a really loaded answer to your question. But I love it. Though. I hope it was helpful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look at my notes. Random question. Mm-hmm. You work a lot with kids. Mm-hmm. Think back to your childhood, and I know you were super influenced by your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you have a teacher? Somebody in your life and when you were young Mm -hmm. that you really loved that really made an impact on you um at an early age oh man that's hard sorry you can think about it for a minute but you know what's (laughs) you know what's crazy and this may not be the answer that you want to hear i think more about um i was i feel like i had a lot of great teachers i think i was more impacted by people who thought i couldn't do things you know and like teachers Mm -hmm. that um kind of you know I'm sure in some way I was probably coddled a little bit because my parents had a disability Mm -hmm. and and, you know it was a smaller town back then um so I'm grateful because I think that turned out well but it's funny as soon as you start saying that I start thinking about all the people along the way that said things um that I just thought no like that's not me you know like I had a teacher once who like in sixth grade and she wasn't even my teacher but um she like made a comment about what a social butterfly was and now my my brother was a valedictorian Mm -hmm. and like you know so I and we had my last name was Gildrich so like as soon you know the first day of class it's like everybody knew your Gil's little sister and and I was intelligent but he was like 
mm-hmm. you know, full ride to all the schools and all that kind of stuff. So um, I remember her kind of making it was like a snarky comment about how I was so much of a social butterfly. And like, look at what I do today, yeah. right? Like, it's it's okay that I was a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of being a little hurt because I felt compared to my brother. But it's just funny because I didn't yeah. think. And it's, you know, it's funny because when I was asking people about advice for that talk, it's like one person said, like, people that gave me bad advice just, like, fueled me to to kind of prove them wrong. Yeah. So, um, so I think what sticks out more to me is people that said, you can't do this. And my first, um, you know, I share a lot that I want to be a speech language pathologist, but I wanted to specialize in working with kids with hearing loss. And that's kind of, I don't want to say unheard of, but it's such a broad field that generally you get more yeah. of like a really broad education. And my first day in the intro to communicative disorders class, I don't know why this lady said it, but I say it all the time. Um, you know, it's like audiologists and speech pathologists are mixed together. And she's like, welcome, this is Intro to Communicative Disorders. It's like my junior year of college. And she says, if you want to work with kids with hearing loss, you do not need to be here. You need to go across the street to the School of Education and get a degree in deaf education. And here I am, I'm a junior in college, right? I've already, like, I'm in liberal arts. I'm not in the School of Education. And I just remember being like, why did this lady say this? Um, but I was like, nah, <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. you know. Um, so I, those are the things that stick out to me more. So I guess if I'm spinning that and like, what can we do? It's like, I just, and I say this, like, don't, to kids, it's like, don't do anything that would make them feel like they need to play small. Yeah. And I do hear people say, don't tell your kids they can do everything. And I get that because mm-hmm. I can't go be a linebacker, right? I'm like right. not built like that. Um, and so, I get why people say that, but I think as far as a capacity, like physical things might keep you from doing, yeah. right? But even then, there's people with like tremendous handicaps that do really, you know, yeah. incredible things. So I did, I'm really passionate about people like speaking into children that mm-hmm. um, how great they are and all the great things they can do. And honestly, that was probably done to me a lot by a lot of people. And That's so awesome. I, I don't, I remember, I don't remember ever doubting myself. Like my mom, when I would say, I wanted to be a cheerleader, she was like, okay, well, let's go do this. And I remember even one time, you're going to laugh, but we're probably about the same age. Do you remember a Barbizon modeling school? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. And yes. so I was like, I'm going to be a model. Now I was like short and freckly. Right. And like, yeah. and it was like Nikki Taylor. This was back when yes. like Nikki Taylor and Chrissy Taylor, yes. like all that. It was like such a big deal. And I was like, mom, <laughs> be a model and she's like okay I'm sure in her mind she's like okay I like really big hair and you know and so um but I just I was like always supported so yeah and I think by more than my parents obviously um okay Ginger if you have one piece of advice Mm -hmm. for the female woman entrepreneur who is out there with her can-do attitude Mm -hmm. and her get up and go um, but she just needs a little extra push. Oh, if you have something, a little wisdom nugget mm-hmm. to give her. I got a million wisdom nuggets, but I'll share one. I would say nothing's ever going to be perfect before you can jump, you know. And so if you feel like this is what's on your heart, if it, you feel like it's making you passionate and it's part of your purpose like don't get caught up in like everything being perfect before you take the leap because it'll never happen. That's great advice. Thank you, Ginger, for your time today. Uh, I appreciate you being with us on our Women Empowered podcast that you can find on Bank of Tennessee's Botcast Network. Thank you. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed during this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or views of Bank of Tennessee. The preceding podcast is a production of Bank of Tennessee member FDIC and equal housing lender.